The president is slowly, agonizingly going through the five stages of narcissistic grief. Denial, 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 and denial. I know that's six, but Rudy is demanding a recount. <laughs> well, I don't know why I came here tonight. Well, that's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Hey, yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the from Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, 98.7 in Santa Barbara, 93.7 in San Diego, 99.5 in Ridgecrest and China Lake, California. Also in Red Bluff and Redding, California on KFOI, Round Mountains, KKRN, Eureka's, KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. In Rochester, New York on WRFZ. Down in New Orleans on WHIV. Out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ. Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN. In Fayetteville, Arkansas on KPSQ. Up in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, where I believe I was actually a guest today. Hi, Nikki. Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Deprogrammed Radio, Verdant Square Radio, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. Ah, I'm a little bit rested up, slightly rested up. How about yourself, Desi Doyen, after the long holiday weekend? Yes, yes, but it is hard getting back in gear and remembering how to do this, it feels like. Ain't it, though? (laughs) And, of course, because we were off for the holiday weekend, the long holiday weekend, there's a whole bunch of stuff that we're going to have to catch up with, uh, catch you up with today on the world-famous Bradcast. There are now 51 days until Inauguration Day. 51. 36 days until Election Day in Georgia in the two U.S. Senate runoffs, which will determine control of the U.S. Senate. That is on January 5. 14 days now until the Electoral College casts its vote to finalize Election 2020. 14 days count them, and eight days uh, until the statutory, federal statutory safe harbor deadline for resolving election disputes regarding the Electoral College. Eight days until that happens on December 8. That is next Tuesday. Now, a case has been made that states, in fact, can wait up until December 14 to change their uh, electoral votes. We will see. In any event, welcome to the broadcast. Uh, can somebody please, I am begging you, please 
Desi Doyen, I don't know if you have any contacts with Joe Biden and his people. They're all uh, he's got an all uh, female communications team. So maybe the next time you women meet for your <laughs> for our ladies meeting, for your ladies communications meeting, uh, you can see if we can <laughs> hermetically seal him in a room, maybe wrap him in, uh, a in bubble, bubble wrap, wrap or yeah, something at this point. For the next 51 days, that's all he's got to do. He's got to get to noon on January 20, raise his hand and say, I do or I will or so be it or whatever he has to say. At that point, if, God forbid, something happens to him, we have laws and a constitutional succession that makes it very easy to move on, if we must, God forbid, to another president. Uh, if that becomes necessary. But if something happens to Joe Biden in the next 51 days that make him unable to take the oath of office on January 20, well, then we've got some serious constitutional problems in this country because we actually do not have any actual laws or a constitutional map for what would happen in that case, to my knowledge, if a president-elect, for example, dies before he is, after he is elected, but before he is actually sworn into office. Um, and as you may have heard, uh, he was uh, Joe Biden was playing with his dog over the weekend and got a, what they're describing as a hairline fracture. Yeah, a number of foot. hairline fractures. He slipped playing with the dog. He's going to wear a boot. He's going to be fine as far as the foot goes. So, yes. Yeah. He's going to be fine in every regard. However, I know. if there is any concern, uh, Jeff Greenfield uh, used to be with CNN. I'm not sure who he's with now. But back in the 90s, he wrote a very entertaining fictional book called The People's Choice. And it was about exactly such a scenario occurring. Uh, 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 a president who was elected, but before, I think in that case, it's before the Electoral College meets, uh, the the president-elect dies. And I read it years ago. It's a really fun read, um, but it is not something I would like to contemplate right now for reality as far as, you know, where we are in this country oh, right yeah. now. I don't blame you. There's enough going on right now. There are enough X factors still remaining that that's one I'd rather not contemplate. Correct. You are, as usual, correct, Desi Doyen, as you always are, except for the times that you're not. <laughs> so, again, uh, let me just, uh, you know, keep Joe Biden healthy, 51 days, everything will be fine. That means no more playing with the dog, Joe. <sighs> I've said for a while uh, this nation was going to be limping to the finish line at this point, given the COVID crisis and all of the other damage brought on by this president from hell. Uh, well, and now it looks like the president-elect, uh, should he officially become the president-elect on December 14, uh, he may be literally limping to the finish line for his inauguration on January 20. But we'll take it. Uh, yeah, we'll get you caught up with the latest in the, yes, still ongoing uh, electoral college challenges by our truth and fact challenged current and outgoing president in a moment. Uh, but first, a couple of news items. Uh, one, uh, CNN is now reporting that the Dow has just had its best month since 1987, which is ironic, given that Donald Trump told us all that the uh, stock market would crash if Joe Biden was elected. So what he meant by crash was would have the best month it has ever had in 30 years or so. Yeah, funny that, how that, that works. That must be what he meant by that. Um, 
And uh, but speaking of COVID, uh, frankly, and limping to the finish line, uh, as of Monday here in Los Angeles County, the nation's most populous county, COVID-19 restrictions are now being tightened even more as of today, according to a new targeted what they call safer at home order that takes effect on Monday. L.A. County Public Health reported 24 new deaths on Friday, right after the Thanksgiving holiday, with the five-day average spiking to uh, about 4,750 as of this past weekend. As of Sunday, however, we have more than 5,000 additional new cases happened on Sunday, were reported on Sunday. And another surge is now expected from Thanksgiving travel and gatherings. As of Friday night, there were nearly 2,000 hospitalized patients in the county, with 24 percent of them in intensive care. A month ago, there was less than half as many, about 750 people who were hospitalized with COVID-19. So we have more than doubled over the past month here in Los Angeles County, leading to this latest action by the L.A. County Board of Supervisors. Uh, L.A. County Supervisor Sheila Kuehl says the county is trying to keep the hospitals from getting overrun at this point and are working to protect health care workers with these new measures, which will be in effect until at least December 20. They require residents to stay at home As much as possible to always wear a face covering outside of the home. The new measures prohibit all public and private gatherings except for constitutionally protected church services and protests. So even outdoor dining at restaurants uh, will be coming. Actually, that already ended a few days ago. And these measures could get more restrictive as we go forward. But essential retail in L.A. County will be limited to 35 percent maximum capacity. Non-essential retail like malls, that'll be kept at 20 percent of uh, occupancy. And the outdoor operations of fitness centers and museums and zoos and aquariums, gardens, uh, mini golf, batting cages, go-kart racing. Yes, there's a thing. Uh, for that. Uh, That will be set at 50 percent capacity as of now. Beaches, trails, parks, golf courses, tennis courts, skate parks, bike parks, community parks, those will remain open, but gathering of mixed households will be prohibited. Good luck enforcing that one. All schools and day camps may remain open if they adhere to reopening protocols, but schools with three positive COVID-19 cases or more over 14 days will have to close for two weeks. Non-essential businesses and activities like outdoor playgrounds and card rooms, etc., will be closed. Now, the measures will be are among the strictest in the nation, and I should note this comes at a time Uh, that while cases and hospitalizations and deaths are rising in California and, of course, here in L.A. County, the state and even the county remain among the lowest in the nation as far as infections and hospitalizations and deaths per capita, per person. Yeah, we have 
way too many of them right now, but that's because we've got a lot of people in this state and in this county. By way of comparison lately, I've been I've been noting that you could fit the population, the entire population of 66 Wyomings into one California. Which, by the way, also makes it an outrage that Wyoming and California both have exactly the same amount of voting power in the U.S. Senate, just two senators, but that's a separate matter for the moment. California has a relatively low overall rate of infections, uh, etc., compared to the rest of the country and uh, compared in particular to the Midwest and Texas, where cases are simply out of control and your chances of getting sick or dying are much, much higher there than they are here in California in general and in L.A. County specifically, which is uh, about in the middle of the uh, latest rankings of per capita cases in the state. L.A. County comes right around the middle uh, uh, of the state as far as counties go. But because we've got so many more people, well, we've got so many more cases. Now, I would argue, by the way, that one of the reasons California is actually so low on these lists of infected states per capita is because we take this pandemic seriously here, or at least we do in comparison to many other states around the country where the rate is simply out of control and expected to get much worse after these really ill-considered Thanksgiving Day gatherings that happened uh, in, in really in all parts of the country. But that said, the numbers here and everywhere else are indeed spiking very quickly. Uh, here and everywhere else. And even here, they threaten to overload our health care systems very soon unless we can reverse the trend and quickly. So when you hear, you know, people, California seems to make a lot of news when we put these restrictions in place because I guess we have so many people. And I know that they are awful and they are annoying. And to be frank, they are no fun at all. Uh, But because so many in this nation, and yes, even here in California and L.A. County, spent so many months when we could have been flattening the curve, pretending that it was all a hoax instead. Well, this is what we are now stuck with uh, some nine months into this crisis. So if you think the restrictions you're hearing about in California are bad and the governor has already said they could get more restrictive, Uh, depending on how things go in the next couple of weeks. But if you think they're bad here, um, this is for uh, cases that aren't nearly as bad as the rest, as much of the rest of the country. Now, one of the things that you had mentioned was that California's rate of cases, the per capita, has doubled since last month. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to point out that, um, you know, our number of hospital beds has not doubled. Our number of hospital staff has not doubled in that time. And so California is doing pretty good compared to our, you know, much bigger population than everybody else. And that does mean that there's a big wave coming through, not just in California, but that's going to wash across the entire country. And it's going to be worse in those states that have not taken in these strict measures. Correct. So this is really, you know, we got a lot of California listeners, obviously, but we have a lot of listeners around the rest of the country. Take this seriously. Stay safe out there if you can. Uh, please know it is much more likely if you're outside California uh, than if you're here. Even if your governors and elected leaders continue to lie to you about how bad all of this actually is. I've tried to get the message out as best that I can to Republican officials out there. 
that in case they haven't noticed, Election Day is over. So you can stop lying to your constituents now about COVID in hopes of, you know, trying to get Donald Trump reelected. You can now try to just keep your constituents safe as you were elected to do, at least in part to do. Thank you in advance for changing your mind and doing the right thing for a change now that Election Day is over. Okay, it won't kill you. And it actually may help save your own uh, residence. Of course, speaking of the election, yes, Election Day is most definitely over, but the president of the United States continues to pretend massive fraud prevented him from defeating Joe Biden, despite all lack of available evidence to support that position. But he continues to lie about that and may still hold at least one Trump card, if you will, at his stolen and packed U.S. Supreme Court, uh, where he hopes still to steal this election from the voters who decisively rejected him, uh, even if it remains a long, if still real shot at overturning the results. Yes, there is still a very narrow path out there for Donald Trump uh, to uh, change the results of the Electoral College vote on December 14. Towards that end... I want to thank Nicole Sandler, by the way, for filling in for us before Thanksgiving Day and otherwise get you caught up on what has transpired since we've been off the, uh, off uh, the air over the holidays in regard to Trump's, yes, his continuing efforts at a constitutional coup. I wanted to start it off with some good news today from Arizona, but this just in literally as the uh, after we began the show here. Wisconsin now makes Biden's victory in the state official after the recount confirmed his win. That's the headline from The Washington Post that just came across my iPhone here. I presume it is accurate, but we'll get to more on Wisconsin in a moment. So let's start uh, in Arizona, where the Democratic Secretary of State, Katie Hobbs, has certified election results in the state on Monday, officially naming Joe Biden as the winner of the state by just over 10,000 votes, which further cements his national victory over Donald Trump. Hobbs certified the statewide vote in the company of two key Republicans, both Governor Doug Ducey and Attorney General Mark Burnovich, who has vocally defended the integrity of Arizona's elections against his own party's claims in the state of widespread fraud, though they have zero evidence for that fraud. Uh, Bernovich has said his office has investigated and found no such evidence to support those claims in the state. Secretary Hobbs said on Monday that, quote, this election was conducted with transparency, accuracy and fairness in accordance with Arizona's laws and election procedures, despite numerous unfounded claims to the contrary. Governor Ducey, meanwhile, a very, very Trumpy Republican governor, uh, he's also uh, said he also said that the state's election was run properly and that, quote, we do elections well here in Arizona. Now, setting aside how well they do or don't do their elections in Arizona, the very Trumpy Republican governor thinks so. And that means something or it should mean something. 
The uh, certification in Arizona now paves the way not only for Biden to receive the state's 11 electoral votes, but also for Democrat Mark Kelly to join the U.S. Senate this week. Now, Kelly, everyone else won't uh, go into the Senate until after the first of the year. But Kelly defeated the incumbent Senate Republican Martha McSally, uh, by the way, by an even larger margin than uh, Biden defeated Trump. Kelly's margin over uh, McSally was about 80,000 votes. But she defeated he defeated her in a special election that was held on the same day. As the general election, McSally had been appointed by Ducey to that role. Uh, So on November 3rd, they held the regular election for uh, everything else, and they held a special election in Arizona for that Senate seat. Senator-elect, officially now, Senator-elect Kelly is expected to be sworn in as early as Wednesday of this week which will uh, slightly narrow the Republicans' current majority in the upper chamber to 42 to 38 for the time being. Much of this pending the uh, Georgia to Georgia runoff elections on January 5. Uh, McSally's uh, loss gives her the distinction, by the way, of losing two, count them, two Republican U.S. Senate seats in a row to Democrats. Thanks, Martha. Good job. The uh, legal contest in Arizona, however, are not yet over. It is one of several states that permits election results to be challenged after certification. Now, Kelly Ward, the loony chairwoman of the state Republican Party in Arizona, has said that she intends to lodge such a challenge. A week or so ago on this program, we uh, played an insane video released by Kelly Ward, again, the GOP state chairwoman, bastardizing my own original investigative reporting from Bradblog.com from 10 years ago regarding the Dominion Voting System Company and ties that a uh, uh, that a company that that the Dominion had purchased a decade or so ago had to yet another company that had ties to Venezuela named Smartmatic. That was a company that was tied to then-Venezuelan President Hugo Chavez, as I reported at the time. And now these right-wingers have all taken that information and turned it into Hugo Chavez somehow trying to steal the election uh, for for uh, uh, for Joe Biden. It's just, it's insane, but that's where all of this comes from. So, yes, you can continue to blame me. Kelly Ward gets big points, frankly, for her creativity in all of this, in her retelling of the actual story, as does Donald Trump's attorney, Sidney Powell, who has led the way in misleading Trump supporters with this fantastical tale that has virtually nothing to do with reality or the independent, independently verifiable evidence and information in the investigative reporting of mine, uh, which from which they take their tale and then reform it into a scheme by Hugo Chavez, who's been dead for, uh, I think, 10 years, seven years, um, to, to somehow steal the election from Donald Trump. So, yes, expect Ward to do something ridiculous that will almost certainly fail to accomplish anything beyond further embarrassing her woeful political party at this point. She has already asked a court to allow her to begin inspecting mail ballots and envelopes, which is just fine by me. 
Uh, she's arguing that poor signature verification may have allowed fraudulent votes to be counted in the state, which has leaned Republican for decades until the, oh, pretty much the arrival of Donald Trump screwed that up for them. The Arizona certification further sets back Trump's attempt to undermine and or steal the presidential election, as will the certification of results in Wisconsin that has just happened. That follows a partial recount that was requested in the state of Wisconsin by uh, Team Trump uh, to count two uh, to the state's two most Democratic-leaning counties, in fact, uh, and the most minority-heavy counties, which I'm sure is just a coincidence, that would be Milwaukee and Dane, despite decades of Republican claims that you may recall, if you're old enough to remember the 2000 election in Florida, back then and ever since, Republicans have been claiming that Al Gore tried to steal the state of Florida by, quote, cherry picking just a few counties when he requested a recount instead of asking to recount the whole state, which they argued was the only fair way to do it. That's what Republicans argued at the time, and they were successful in making that argument in court. But I have yet to hear even one single Republican criticize Donald Trump for doing exactly the same thing here in 2020 in Wisconsin. Have you heard have you heard anything, Desi Doyen, from Republicans or from the media? Am I the only one who keeps repeating this point over and over again to <laughs> your knowledge? Uh, yes, yes. I think you're the only one that's pointing out that particular aspect am of I their the, hypocrisy. Am I the only one with an institutional memory who remembers this? Because every time I talk with a, a right winger and we talk about Florida and they'll say, oh, yeah, well, that's where uh, Al Gore tried to steal it by only recounting a couple of counties, which, by the way, was perfectly legal. There was nothing unlawful about that at all. Uh, but all of a sudden, crickets, crickets when it comes to Donald Trump asking to recount only a couple of counties doing exactly the same thing in Wisconsin. Uh, but that is, of course, because they're, you know, hypocrites and liars. As to the partial recount, it did not go well for Donald Trump. The uh, recount of the ballots in Wisconsin in the two largest counties. According to uh, Washington Post today, reconfirmed on Sunday that, yes, Joe Biden beat Donald Trump in the key swing state by more than 20,000 votes. The completion of the recount, which the uh, Trump campaign had requested and then attempted to constantly obstruct throughout, as we noted last week, uh, that completion adds to a pileup of defeats for the president as he continues to attack Biden's national victory, claiming without any evidence that widespread fraud tainted the results of the November 3rd election. Though it should be noted here that while Trump is claiming, repeatedly claiming widespread fraud on his Twitter feed and on Fox News uh, which allowed him on Sunday to spew these lies without the slightest pushback. He did it for 45 minutes over the weekend on the embarrassing Maria Bartiromo's show. Remember when she wasn't insane? There was a time. I'm not misremembering that, right, Des? Uh, mm. Maria Bartiromo was not always... There was always... a time when she was called the money honey and she was big on CNBC. But yeah, she's she's uh, gone off into loony yeah, land since she is. then. Uh, anyway, uh, while he's making these claims, it must be noted that his legal team 
is not making these claims, at least not in court, not in any of the suits that they have filed. They are not claiming widespread or even any fraud at all in the lawsuits that they have so far unsuccessfully brought. Why? Well, maybe because the standards to prove fraud in a court of law actually require actual evidence, unlike on Twitter or on Fox News. Of course, those stooges and patsies that listen to Donald Trump on this stuff, they still have no clue that Donald Trump's own attorneys are making fools of them. They are making fools of you, Trump supporters. They are not arguing in court that there was fraud in the election. Uh, Anyway, uh, Trump's campaign has vowed to appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court uh, this, uh, well, many of these cases, but anything, anything they can think of to get to the Supreme Court, it doesn't actually matter. But they have yet to actually appeal to the Supreme Court. Uh, Meantime, they've suffered losses nearly every single day since Election Day in both state and federal courts. So far, they've lost about 40 different cases uh, and partially won just one of them since Election Day. After the completion of the recount in Wisconsin, Milwaukee's county uh, on Friday in Milwaukee's uh, in Wisconsin's Milwaukee County on Friday and Dane County on Sunday, there was very little change in the final breakdown of the results of more than 800,000 ballots that had been cast in those two jurisdictions. In the end, Biden's lead over Trump actually grew larger. According to the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel in uh, Milwaukee County, Biden's lead increased after this uh, recount by 132 votes. And uh, that was after they counted about almost half a million votes there. Trump picked up himself uh, some votes in Dane County. He overall he picked up 45 votes net. So overall, Joe Biden increased his margin by 87 votes following these uh, these two recounts, this exercise that cost Donald Trump three million dollars under Wisconsin law. He was required to foot the bill here uh, only to see Joe Biden widen his mar- his uh, his margin. Yes, that's the art of the deal strikes again for the world's greatest businessman. Uh, So uh, with Arizona's certification uh, on Monday and now Wisconsin's, that means, by my count, six of the six states where Trump had questioned the results, um, they have all now been certified. They've all now certified their vote tallies, though legal efforts and recounts come after certification and before the electoral votes. Uh, are actually cast on December 14. So, no, it is not over yet as much as we all might wish that it was. Trump's efforts to stop Michigan officials from finalizing the vote there earlier this month, that ran aground a so-called hand audit of all the ballots in Georgia, a procedure that was sort of dreamt up by the very Trumpy Republican secretary of state there that now Trump is attacking for being unwilling to help him steal the election. That hand audit also reconfirmed Biden's win in the state. A second count is now a statewide count is now going on there in uh, in Georgia by Dominion computer tabulating machines instead of by hand. That was requested by the Trump campaign. 
That is supposed to conclude by Wednesday. But Georgia election officials uh, do not expect that that will uh, significantly change Biden's approximately 12,000 vote margin either. Meanwhile, two new court decisions in Pennsylvania in both state and federal court over the holiday weekend soundly rejected once again Donald Trump's so far failed efforts to derail the results in the Keystone State where his defeat by more than 81,000 votes was certified uh, just last week. I will uh, let's take a quick break here and I will explain those two suits and how soundly they were defeated over the weekend in Pennsylvania uh, and how, yes, neither of them once again charges any fraud actually occurred. Because Donald Trump is not uh, he's not, you know, trying to win these cases. He's trying to get to the U.S. Supreme Court and he's trying to run for reelection in 2024 if he's not in jail by then, because he's trying to uh, convince his. I'm sorry to say it, but gullible supporters that, yeah, uh, I actually won. I actually had this stolen from me by fraud, fraud that. He's unable to show in any way. That's straight ahead on the broadcast and much more. Maybe even your calls. Got any questions on all of this? I'll take them. 818-985-5735. 818-985-KPFK. I'm Brad Friedman, and this is the broadcast. <laughs> What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Now, normally I play that uh, opening music, uh, that bumper music at the broadcast, uh, because I won't back down either. But in this case, maybe that's about Donald Trump. He won't back down no matter how badly he is getting uh, losing. I'll just put it that way in uh, court case after court case. Welcome back to the broadcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. By the way, I'm reminded via the Twitters. Uh, where you can also uh, tweet me, I am the Brad Blog. That uh, one of the when you hear these Republicans now talking about they talk about Dominion voting systems and then they quickly talk about Smartmatic, Smartmatic because that was the company that was tied to Venezuela and Hugo Chavez. Again, based on my reporting, which is accurate, but based on my reporting from ten years ago that they bastardized, they have basically replaced. D uh, Dominion with Smartmatic. Smartmatic actually has nothing to do with any of the elections in any of the swing states or, by the way, any other state in the union except for 
here in Los Angeles, where the Smartmatic uh, company was contracted by uh, the L.A. County Registrar Recorder County Clerk to build our new, terrible, 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen voting systems here in Los Angeles. We are the only only county in the country that actually uses Smartmatic machines. But if you dive down the right wing rabbit hole about what they are claiming regarding uh, the, the 2020 election and that it was Dominion and Smartmatic who stole the election in hundreds and hundreds of jurisdictions around the country. Smartmatic, they're off by a few hundreds there. Smartmatic is actually in zero jurisdictions across the country other than one That would be right here in Los Angeles County. Uh, If you have any questions, as I said, on this, I'd love to answer them because there's a lot of misinformation going on out there, starting with the president of the United States, of course, but being bought into by many of his gullible supporters. Uh, Give me a call. 818-985-5735. If you have heard something out there that concerns you, that you have questions about it. Uh, I always like to put uh, Trump supporters up first because, you know what, after I get off the air, I get tons of email from them instead of coming on the air and talking to me about it. Don't be scared. Don't be a snowflake. Uh, Give me a call, 818-985-KPFK. Buckle up, buttercup, but I'm happy to talk to you. I really am, and I won't be mean. I won't bite hard, but I would like to uh, correct your uh, the things, the misinformation that you are hearing. It is important for a whole bunch of reasons. So some of that misinformation, of course, is coming out of Pennsylvania. Uh, and uh, Donald Trump did not have a good weekend in either federal or state court in Pennsylvania. On Friday, a federal appeals court soundly rejected his request for an emergency injunction to overturn the certification of Pennsylvania's election results. Trump's campaign had filed with the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Third Circuit after a very, very conservative U.S. District Court judge the previous weekend had dismantled and dismissed The Trump campaign's federal lawsuit against uh, the election authorities there and rejected the campaign's request to be allowed to revise that suit to include more allegations to try again. Sorry. Uh, So about a week or so ago, U.S. District Court Judge Matthew Bran, a former Pennsylvania state Republican Party official, he rejected the uh, Trump case in which uh, he complained uh, the, the uh, that Trump complained that some Democratic-leaning counties allowed voters to cure minor errors on their mail-in ballots, like missing signatures, etc., prior to Election Day. On the other hand, many Republican-leaning counties did not offer that same courtesy to their voters. And I've noted Trump should be suing those Republicans and those Republican counties for not helping their voters to cast perfectly legal votes. They shouldn't be suing the state. State law does not disallow that kind of help for voters. The Trump campaign, uh, you should note, uh, said specifically in court in this case that it was not charging any fraud. It was not alleging any fraud in the federal case. In Pennsylvania, Rudy Giuliani said it himself. He said this is not a a fraud case, even as the president has been out there lying to the country about it. 
Judge Brand, again, a week ago, had excoriated the campaign for their attempt to toss nearly seven million votes without, quote, factual proof of rampant corruption, according to Judge Brand. He added that, quote, this court has been presented with strained legal arguments without merit and speculative accusations, unpled in the operative complaint and unsupported by the evidence. In the United States of America, he wrote in his ruling, this cannot justify the disenfranchisement of a single voter, let alone all the voters of its sixth most most populated state. But that was a couple of weekends ago now. The three-judge panel on the Third Circuit Court of Appeals to whom they appealed, despite all three of these judges being appointed by Republican presidents, Well, they were no kinder to the Trump campaign. In fact, the judge who wrote the unanimous opinion for these three jurists was actually appointed by Donald Trump himself. In a scathing 21-page opinion, the Third Third Circuit Court of Appeals said the Trump campaign's challenge of the district court's decision had, quote, no merit. The opinion was written by Trump appointee Judge Stefanos Bibas, Judge Bibas, uh, who was, as I said, appointed to the court by Trump. Bibas wrote, charges of unfairness are serious, but calling an election unfair does not make it so. Charges require specific allegations and then proof. We have neither here, Judge Bibas wrote. Voters, not lawyers, choose the president. Ballots, not briefs, decide elections, he wrote. And with that devastating ruling, Jenna Ellis, a legal advisor to Trump's campaign, said gleefully after the ruling on Twitter, on to SCOTUS, vowing to take the case that they have now lost in two different courts to four separate uh, Republican judges vowing to take that case uh, to Trump's packed and stolen U.S. Supreme Court. Trump's other lawyer, by the way, Rudy Giuliani, later suggested that it was not clear whether the appeals court action would be challenged at the Supreme Court. He said there are a number of cases that we can take to the Supreme Court during an interview on Friday night on the uh, president's favorite new channel. Uh, right-wing propaganda channel, One America News, or whatever they're called, OAN, during which Rudy repeated the same claims that were rejected so soundly by the Third Circuit. Legal experts have said that the case has little chance of success at the Supreme Court, much like the numerous other GOP election lawsuits that are pending in battleground states. But then again, those experts, they are just guessing. They are hoping potentially uh, walking away from the movie villain who has just been killed, but who still has a loaded machine gun in his hand, which is a classic mistake that I do not think it is wise to make right now. Our friend Justin Levitt, a professor at Loyola uh, Law School in L.A., uh, also a former DOJ official, Uh, He tracks voting rights litigations. He's been a guest on this show over the years. He told The Post, The Washington Post, that there was little chance that the case would be taken up by the Supreme Court, this federal case out of Pennsylvania. He said at this point, this is zombie litigation. 
But it's not one of those zombies anybody is afraid of. It's just slowly rotting in the corner, he said in an interview. It's not that the Supreme Court doesn't take strange cases, but they only take cases where the facts or the law, and usually both, present some sort of credible legal question. And that is not even close to true here, he said. Now, uh, Desi Doyen, your uh, delightful little sweet mother... Uh, who I've known for years. Uh-huh. Uh, she happens to have an affinity for, for zombie, zombie shows, shows yes. zombie movies. Yes, yes she does. Uh, do, do you think that she would know better than to walk away, to turn the other <laughs> way, for, you know, with a zombie who still has a loaded gun in his hand oh, after he has been? absolutely she wouldn't do that. <laughs> I mean, don't we ever learn that the only way to kill a zombie, essentially, is you have to blow it up to smithereens. You, you have, have to, to utterly destroy it in some it. fashion yes. in order for it to not keep coming back. It's got to be vaporized so it cannot possibly return at least until 2024. I'm pretty sure that's how the zombie uh, movies work, and I'm pretty sure your mom would agree. Uh, but that was not the only uh, big court loss uh, for uh, Team Trump in Pennsylvania over the weekend. But let me get to uh, one of the calls here. Uh, I, I think this is from Tom. Yeah, let me get to Tom in Fountain Valley. Hey, Tom, welcome to the broadcast. you have a, a question or a concern about all of this? Yeah, I had uh, two comments I wanted you to maybe discuss if you can. Okay. <clears throat> the first one is the there is a movement mm-hmm. by the Republican Party to change the laws, some of the state laws, require that the state legislature choose the electors, seat the electors based mm-hmm. on the popular vote. Right. So if Biden won, sort of right. gets the electors. Yeah. Some of the states don't have laws like that, and the Constitution does not specify. I'm an attorney, so I understand this. I don't know, I don't know what you Okay. Are. I'm and not. The, um, the, uh, the Republican Party is consciously trying to replace people mm-hmm. so that in either re- perhaps a recount in Georgia, but for sure in 2024, Yep where they can have the legislature's seat basically maverick electors that are not tied to the popular vote. Correct. discuss that. That's point number one. Yep. Point number two, Trump doesn't give a damn about district or circuit court decisions. That's why he's got this clown Giuliani doing it. His real lawyers are Jay Sekulow. Mm-hmm. Now, Sekulow's son supposedly is going to file another suit this, this weekend. Mm-hmm. This week, I have yet to see that. Sidney right. Powell did file something on her own. But yes, the Kraken, the Kraken lawsuit, in which she the misspelled Kraken, the word... Kraken has been released. Yes, she now, misspelled the it, word district it, twice it, in the very first uh, sentence of that, uh, of that uh, complaint. But yes, pr- proceed, okay, now, so Tom. Trump yeah. is trying to get to the Supreme Court because right. he thinks the fix is in. So I'd like you to comment, yeah. because what happened in Bush v. Gore in 2000, mm-hmm. I believe the Supreme Court was Scalia and stuff. They literally took it away from the Florida Supreme Court, something that's never happened before. Right. They pulled something procedurally that was completely BS, mm-hmm. just out of left field. So mm-hmm. the question is, even though Trump keeps losing in the district and the circuit courts, is there a way for the Supreme Court, the Supremes, which he now has a 6-3 majority, I think, yep. to just pull some, out, some crap out of left field? Yep. And just say we're going to redo this. So those yep. are my two questions. If you if you could uh, answer those, I'd, be, I'd love to hear your. Yes, your I would be happy. If you could circulate those around and get people thinking about that. Uh, so that they, they can't change this elector <laughs> law, and that I don't know what we're going to do with electoral college. That would require a constitutional amendment. 
Well, and as far as let me, Supremes, you know, doing something let crazy, me let me explain know. it. Let me explain it to you, Tom, because I was actually about to get there in all of this stuff I have been walking through. But uh, as uh, we've got some other callers, so let me just sort of jump ahead. Yes, the Supreme Court absolutely can do something, and it does not matter. Frankly, it doesn't matter, uh, you know, what comes before the Supreme Court. Any of these cases will actually do if they can get to the Supreme Court. What they are hoping for is that uh, in in any of these cases, they'll be able to get uh, an opinion from uh, five justices on the Supreme Court that basically, uh, and again, this you're right, this comes out of uh, Bush v. Gore in, uh, in 2000 that was never supposed to be used. The Supreme Court said, oh, don't ever cite this as precedent again. But one of the concurring opinions in 2000 was by the Chief Justice Rehnquist. And basically what he said at the time was that only state legislatures may make election law according to the U.S. Constitution, Article 2, which basically says that state legislatures... Um, uh, must set the time, place, and manner for elections. And the argument now, move uh, forward 20 years to just a, a week or two ago, uh, Justice uh, uh, Kavanaugh, Brett Kavanaugh, came out with an opinion in the Wisconsin case, and then Gorsuch also uh, concurred with it, that basically made this same argument, basically saying that any election law or rule or procedure or regulation that is not created by the state legislature is unconstitutional, according to the U.S. Constitution. And that's that's the end game here. That is the Trump card. That is what Donald Trump is hoping that he will get from the U.S. Supreme Court. Now, we already know that Gorsuch and Kavanaugh are in. Scalia, uh, Scalia, uh, Scalia and Thomas have said something, uh, have, have, have suggested they are similarly inclined in the past. That gives them four votes. Um, Justice Chief Justice Roberts is unlikely to go along with this cockamamie radical scheme, which is basically the argument that Republicans are now making for all Supreme Court cases. They are saying we should read the Constitution as it is written. Read it as a, uh, a textualist, an originalist. Whatever the words actually say, nothing else matters. So if the state legislature is to determine the time, place, and manner for elections, that means nobody else is able to determine them. And that means if a secretary of state or a governor or a board of elections uh, has, you know, sets a rule or regulation, that is unconstitutional. That means that the legislature in states can, if they want, walk into the state house now and pass a resolution that says our electors shall go to Donald Trump and there is nobody who can say anything different. That is what will happen if, in fact, they're able to get a fifth justice to vote for this radical extremist scheme that has never been approved by a majority on the U.S. Supreme Court, but that Kavanaugh and Gorsuch and the others are now pushing. This is all going to come down to Amy Coney Barrett, which is why she was placed on the court in the first place in such a rush to make this very uh, uh, ruling opinion to be the fifth vote if she decides to do it. That's what all of this is about. It is not about fraud. It is not about any of the things that the uh, Trump campaign is actually arguing in court, which have nothing to do with fraud. 
It's about basically throwing out everything and giving the thumbs up to the state legislature to go in without approval. Because remember, in Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, you're dealing with three states where they have Republican, gerrymandered Republican uh, state legislatures, but they have Democratic governors. Well, you might say the Democratic governors in those states is never going to allow that to happen. They'll veto it. Aha. The governor can't veto it under this radical thinking, under this radical thinking. Only the state legislature has the final say about the time, place and manner of elections. The governor has nothing to do with it. Now, if the Republicans are dumb enough to go along with this scheme. And you should know by now to never underestimate a Republican. If they are dumb enough to go along with this, that would also mean, as I read the Constitution, well, the Constitution gives the power, for example, to Congress for taxation. Well, if it's up to Congress to raise or lower taxes, I guess a president can't veto that, can they? I can only hope that this comes up in the argument uh, before the Supreme Court once, if any of these cases get there. But uh, anyway, yeah, that's what that's about, Tom. I hope that makes sense. I have been talking about it pretty much five days a week now on this show since the election. Uh, You know, please listen to our show. You can uh, always download it for free at bradblog.com five days a week. I'll take a quick break here and uh, come back with a few more calls if we can right here on the Bradcast. Haven't even got to explain how they lost in state court, but we'll see if we have time. I'm Brad. This is the Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the Bradcast. But we need your help to do it. If you enjoy the show and or get something from it, please give back a bit, if you can, by visiting us at bradblog.com donate. Your support helps Desi and me continue to bring you real, independent, progressive news five days a week over your public airwaves. We simply can't do it without your help, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today to make a one-time donation or, even better, automated monthly support. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you can rest easy knowing that we'll be here every day making sense of it all, or at least trying to. That's bradblog.com slash donate, and thanks. Welcome back. To the Bradcast, Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Very quickly, I'll get to your calls in one moment. But just to close the door on this, uh, the Republicans also lost in state court in Pennsylvania over the weekend. Uh, They're challenging the new absentee ballot law that was passed in late 2019 before the COVID crisis came around. Uh, And they're saying that that law is unconstitutional under the state uh, constitution and arguably Maybe they're right. However, they are arguing that because of that, they should throw out all the votes in the state of Pennsylvania and allow the legislature to determine who the electors are. The problem with that is that uh, this case only was filed now. 
it was not filed after the law was passed last year. It was not filed before the primary. The primary went off and nobody filed any lawsuits trying to throw out the votes. They're only doing it now that they're losing an election. That is a violation of something called the Doctrine of Latches. So that case is in violation of latches. It was tossed out by the state Supreme Court, a unanimous decision, which includes Republicans. So, yes, they lost there as well. Uh, That week old uh, state lawsuit was led by a Republican member of Congress from Pennsylvania, Mike Kelly, who, if they threw out uh, all the votes, I guess, would not even be elected. (laughs) <laughs> this year. Uh, Jennifer in Hollywood, welcome to the broadcast. How can I help you, ma'am? Oh, did you say Jennifer? I did. Hi, Jennifer. Oh, okay. I heard Jess, but that's okay. Um, yeah, so I have a question about, I was listening to a lot of my left-wing shows, and they make this tongue-in-cheek joke uh, made by Cindy, Sydney, the monotone voice Kraken woman, whose last name I can't remember. Powell. Um, yes. Powell, that's yes. it. She uh, invoked the name of Hugo Chavez. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if they're saying it tongue-in-cheek, as in she's talking about Hugo Chavez, who's been dead since 2013. He's not around to defend himself. Or was something that I, or was there something that I missed uh, wherein she might have said that this was something that Hugo Chavez was doing recently? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just trying to understand if yes. there truly is a joke in there. And I No, I can explain it, and I have to do it quickly here because we're coming up on the top of the hour. But I can explain it, Jennifer, because that is my fault. That is all based on reporting of mine from 2010. If you go to bradblog.com, uh, scroll down a few items, you will see, uh, I forget what the exact headline is, but it's something like Team Trump bastardizes Bradblog's 2010 report on Dominion and and Smartmatic and Hugo Chavez and Venezuela, you will find a link to the original Ur text from which they are now pulling all of these claims. It has to do with uh, Dominion, which ended up buying a company that was owned by a company named Smartmatic that was tied to Hugo Chavez and Dominion sort of lied about all of that when it happened. And uh, I did a, a bunch of deep investigative reports on all of this that showed, yes, in fact, that company uh, that was purchased by Dominion was uh, called Smart, uh, Sequoia was, in fact, tied to Smartmatic and uh, tied to the uh, and Smartmatic owned some intellectual property for their voting machines. Those voting machines are no longer used in this country. But that's how this long train, this long trail gets from Dominion, a Canadian company, to Venezuela and dead Hugo Chavez. Um, whether Sidney Powell knows that Hugo Chavez is dead or not is open uh, to <laughs> to your best guess. But that's where all of this Venezuela and Hugo Chavez stuff comes from. It comes from me in an accurately reported uh, story, a deeply reported story that has now been bastardized and changed just to say stuff like communists and Hugo Chavez and Cuba and China in cahoots with Venezuela. It is all stuff and nonsense, and I would be delighted to report any of this that was not stuff and nonsense, no matter who was affected by it. Does that help explain it, Jennifer? Yes, exactly. Absolutely. And I will check out your blog. Please do. All the information is there. (laughs) Lots of it. Uh, And with that, I hate to say it. But we got to get out. Uh, thanks to everyone who called in. I'm sorry that I could not get to everyone, uh, but we'll maybe we'll try again next week because I suspect this will continue 
uh, to be going next week. So thanks to everybody there. Thanks to my producer, Desi Doyen. Thanks to my board operator today, Ricky Herrera, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of this show or any other, uh, you can download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. Drop me email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the Bradblog. That's it for now. Until we uh, see you here tomorrow, I hope. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Stand, stand, stand.